This is this is my Bible. God's holy word. I can be what it wants me to be. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I will not leave the same. All right, we'll get to 1 Corinthians, our text, in just a minute. 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. Most people would consider our physical bodies to be a marvelous display of the creative wisdom of God. I don't understand how you can hold a newborn baby and think to yourselves, well, isn't evolution wonderful? Psalms says in chapter 139, it says, For you formed me in the innermost parts. You've woven me, mother's womb. I'll give thanks to you. Most of us, hopefully all of us, would agree with that sentiment. When God wanted to help his people understand what it means to be part of the church, one of the metaphors he used was the body. He wanted us to look at each other and think about each other and organize ourselves as if we were just like a body. Ephesians chapter number four says, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow in all aspects. The body fitly joined together. Do you notice the emphasis on the importance of everyone being involved. Not 90% of the work being done by 10% of the people. Although, unfortunately, that's kind of the joke that is, is taught to you in Bible college. To be honest with you, they'll, you know, you're in, you know, pastor's classes or whatever. Now, you know, when you get to church, realize that 90% of the work is going to be uh, done by 10% of the people. So that's not the way that it should be. Churches that understand what it means to be a body and that have found a specific and particular way for everyone to function in the way that is consistent, they are incredibly effective and extremely healthy. But on the flip side, if a group is not functioning like a body, either resources are being left on the table the body isn't nearly as effective as it could be. And some of the parts are being overworked and potentially damaged because they're trying to carry more weight than their responsibility and they're designed to carry. When I was a uh, freshman in college, I blew out my knee. My, and uh, thankfully I didn't have to have knee surgery. I know some of you have had to go through that. But the doctor told me this. He says, just human nature, subconsciously, because you messed up your knees so bad and I had to be on crutches for an entire summer. Now you try and put a 19-year-old on crutches for an entire summer. Just like Mrs. Mater was telling us this morning, you try and keep a 7-year-old man in bed. It's, it, 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 you're not going to keep a man down. I just don't know the way that you're going to do it. Uh, Michael uh, Hunt, pastor, up and he was telling me one of his sons, uh, there was a possibility that he's back surgery and they were taking it. It might take up to six weeks for it to heal. Thankfully, it, it didn't take that long. But the moment he told me that, I'm like, well, have fun with that. 
you trying to keep a little boy down for six weeks. Because it just isn't going to happen. But the doctor told me, he's like, and he told me, he's like, I understand you're 19 years old, you're not going to do everything that I tell you to do, but do your best. But he made this statement, because subconsciously normal, you're going to start putting more weight on your other leg. You're going to wear that one out faster. Because you're, you're babying it, you're taking care of it, you're being careful, whatever the words might be. Listen, this, the same is true of the church. When something, listen, we, we don't all have the same calling, if you will. We don't have all those, we don't all have the same purpose. Listen, this morning when you got up and you decided to button your shirt, you didn't say to your eyeball, now button my shirt. I would like to see an eyeball button a shirt. I just think that'd be hilarious. Well, it doesn't have the same function. And yet your thumb probably thinks about your eyeball. <laughs> well, I wish I was an eyeball. I'm just a thumb. But see, we don't all have the same function. So the question is, how do we get to the place where every person in the body is functioning the way that God designs for us to do? 1 Corinthians 12, chapter number 12, verse number 12. We'll start there. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of, of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, where, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and we have all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, Because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, it is therefore not of the body. And if the ear shall say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would there be hearing? If the whole body were hearing, where were they smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body, as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one members, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor the hand to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more these members of the body, which seem to be more feeble, are necessary. And those members of the body, which think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which is which lacketh. That therefore should be no schism in the body, but the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffereth, all members suffer of it. Or one member be honored, all members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ and members... In particular, let's pray. Lord, we come before you this morning, and we are thankful that you allowed us to gather this morning. Lord, we just pray as we dive into this, uh, talking about being members of the church and, and our uh, idea of ownership. Listen, Lord, that you'd be honored, you'd be glorified, that we would 
be better servants, uh, better prepared, better uh, ways to serve you. Yes, these things, your name. Amen. First Corinthians, chapter number four, verse number two says, it's required of a servant that he be found faithful. Listen, Matthew chapter number uh, 23. Flip over there real quick. Matthew chapter number 23, verse number 23. Wonder you scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay a mint and cumin and have omitted the weightier parts of the law, mercy, faith, these ought you have done, but not leave the other undone. So when we talk about spiritual gifts, listen, I don't, I don't put a lot of weight into spiritual gifts. I took a spiritual gift test once just for the fun of it. And uh, it's entertaining uh, just to see how we, I don't put too much weight into them, but we do have all different spiritual gifts that God has given to every person. And we need to use them to build up the body of Christ and accomplish together the mission that God has for us. So we're talking about serving. We're going to look at Three ways the metaphor of the physical body can help us to be good servants of the gifts that God has given us. Listen, first of all, we need to be wise owners, appreciate the unity of the body. We saw that in verses 12 and 13. Wise owners appreciate the unity of the body. You've, you've heard me say it. There's a vast difference between unity and and uniformity. There's a huge difference between unity and uniformity. I, 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 when I, I can remember when I was a little kid, and I just thought that it looked really silly sometimes, some of the ways that people tried to all be the same. Listen, the motto of my life is this, why be the same when you can be different? Why be the same when you can be listed? We're, but we're all supposed to be different. We're all different. People will say, well, I, you know, I'm, trying, I'm trying to be different. And you, you see them and they look like they just fell out of a tackle box. You know, they were in a horrific car accident. They got a bumper hanging out of their nose. And, and I, I remember when we were in, uh, my parents were in Canada. Uh, there was a guy. I'm assuming it was a guy. Half of his head was shaved. I mean, big shaved. The other half, he had it like, the whole thing like combed over and he dyed it orange. And when I mean orange, I mean like under safety orange. Okay. He had an, he had an earring, nose ring, lip ring, eyebrow ring, belly button ring. And a chain connecting them all. And I so, I so wanted, as a, as a teenager, I so just wanted to Grab hold of one, just one of them. Anyone, anyone I can get my hands on one of those chains and just yank. Just because I'm a vindictive 
vengeful person, and I shouldn't be that way, but I'm just saying, that just would have been funny to me. You say, well, why do people do that? Well, I just, I just want to be different. And, you know, then they cross the street around the corner and there's 50 of them that look exactly the same. So we're not supposed to be the same. However, we are supposed to be in unity. Chapters 12 through 14 deal with the matter of handling the gifts that God has given us here in 1 Corinthians. But can I tell you what makes our physical bodies so amazing? Is not the individual parts. But it's the fact that the individual parts work together. Again, so many times we think uniformity, but that's, that's not what God wants. For instance, your elbow, you've got muscles and tendons and ligaments and, and all of that. In order for you to bend your elbow, you realize that one, this side of the muscles and tendons and ligaments have to go that way, and this side has to go that way. They're going in opposite directions for you to be able to do that. But listen, that's not uniformity. But they are working together to accomplish the goal of you being able to bend your elbow. Have you ever noticed that a lot of people, when they bend their elbow, their mouth opens, especially when they're holding a fork? I, I always found it interesting. But listen, it's the fact that they work together. Our fingers. Again, try buttoning your shirt without using your fingers. When you're all of the parts of our bodies simultaneously work together. <laughs> if, if, if I remember right, when, the, when, a, when a baby's learning how to walk, Miss Susan might know a little bit better, I don't know, but if I remember right, there's over 200 different muscles between your toes, your foot, your ankle, your legs that are being used. 200. Some of those are, are, are more minuscule than others. By the way, this is a public service announcement. Make your kids color. I didn't, I didn't color. If, if you, for those of you that have seen my um, writing, I have atrocious writing. People... Uh, always said I'd either be a doctor or a preacher because my writing is so bad. But what I, I think when I was in, if I remember right, upper elementary school, fifth, sixth grade, because uh, I mean it was bad. I mean I had my writing has improved tremendously, but it was it was it was so bad that they took me to someone to try and make my writing better. And the and the doctor made this statement. He's like, obviously we can make his writing better, but his handwriting will never be great. And they asked my parents this question. He didn't color when he was a kid, did he? I didn't. I, to this day, I could care less about I Sometimes I color with my kids, but I, coloring is not a high on my to-do list. I just never enjoyed it. I'd rather be out playing in you know, basketball, football, fishing, hunting, something. I'm not going to set it at a table and color. I'm just not. 
The doctor said this because when he was younger, he never colored. The fine muscles in his hand never developed. And to be honest, it, it's kind of too late now that the more dominant muscles have thus taken over. So the, those fine motor, little intricate motions that you need to not have sloppy handwriting, you don't have. Listen, and as, as a church, we need to be careful that that doesn't happen either. That the more dominant personalities, the dominant parts of... And listen, you, you need those. <laughs> listen, if you didn't have dominant personalities and dominant traits and dominant muscles, you couldn't be able to accomplish the things that you were supposed to accomplish. But just because you may be one of the more delicate, intricate, whatever words you want to view, does it mean that you're of any less value? Verse number 12, it says, For as the body is one, many members, all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. Our Lord demonstrated his appreciation for the importance of the unity of the body. Jesus was not a lone ranger. Which, by the way, why did they call him the lone ranger? He did have Tonto. He wasn't all alone. Just keep that. No, seriously, keep that in mind. He, even, even a lone ranger wasn't all alone. He certainly could have done what he wanted to do all by himself. Jesus could have done everything that he wanted to do all by himself. But he chose not to. Jesus showed that he valued working with people. He purposely chose to work with disciples. Listen, he even went so far as to call them his friends. Kendra's got a friend coming in. Miss uh, Skull's got a friend coming in. We all, we all, we all have friends. And maybe some of the people you work with would be considered your friend. But does everybody you work with, do you consider your friend? I mean, let's just be honest. How many people consider their boss their friend? And you're always complaining about your boss. Not most people. But this is, listen, the 12 people that were closest to Jesus, his closest work companions, because they, they, they forsook everything that they had and followed Jesus on his mission. They were working together. Jesus referred to them as his friends. He purposely chose to identify himself with them. John chapter 15 says, Well, I am the vine, you are the branches. He abides in me and I in him. The same beareth forth much fruit. Listen, we don't bear much fruit as individuals. We bear much fruit as part of the body. Maybe that's the reason why some people are more effective 
than other people. They found a way to connect their spiritual gifts in such a way to the body of the church, the way that they were intended to be used. God knows the values of the unity of the body. Not only does he choose to identify with us, he purposely chose to identify himself with those to whom we minister. Last week we looked at Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus wasn't, a, wasn't all that good of a man. Sinners and, and publicans. I mean, he was always, I mean, if you go down, go down through the list of some of the people that were Jesus' closest. I mean, you've, you've got murderers, you've got uh, robbers, you've got extortionists, you've got prostitutes, you've got, I mean, let's just be honest. Those are, I, and the human standard of things, those are the worst of the worst. And yet those are the people that Jesus chose to minister to. Matthew chapter 18 talks about what happens to those people that offend a little child. And in today's society, that, that doesn't really strike us all that odd. But can I remind you that in the society and the culture of the Bible days and even places in other parts of the world today, children are right above farm animals in the hierarchy of importance. They, they weren't considered all that important. And yet Jesus said, if you offend one of those little ones, it's better than a millstone be hung around your neck and you drown. Which is one of the most horrific ways to die. Jesus talks about when you clothed me, when I was naked, you clothed me, when you, you fed me, I was hungry. And they ask him, well, Lord, when? Because we, we don't remember doing that. And he says, listen, when you do it to, to who? To the least. The unimportant. The underprivileged. The, under, the other side of the tracks, people. You've done it to me. Just like the individual parts of our bodies illustrate the importance of being in unity, also Christ. He has chosen to organize his ministry then and now around the important principle. The Holy Spirit delights in the unifying of an unlikely group of people. Again, you, you look at the entire New Testament with what, what especially Paul's writings Jews and Gentiles they just really didn't get along think think about think about it for a second. I mean the Jews referred to the Gentiles as well they referred to the Samaritans as dogs and they were at least half Jews just imagine what they thought of the full-fledged Gentiles 
And we see glimpses of what, what many times the, the Judaizers thought of the Gentiles. Paul had to constantly address that. But approximately, and I say approximately 30 years after Christ died, Paul was able to make this statement. I've preached the entire gospel, not him personally. I even preached the entire gospel to the entire world. Why? Partly, a lot due to the fact that unlikely groups of people, Jews and Gentiles, they didn't like each other. They didn't, listen, now, some of them were circumcised, some of them weren't. They, they looked completely different. They dressed completely different. They talked, some of them spoke in Hebrew, some of them spoke in Greek. Maybe, maybe even Italian, or, or I mean, there's, listen, they weren't all in uniformity. But they were all in unity. But the notion of Jews and Gentiles being united in the same church, and yet it happened. Slaves and free people in the same church, and yet it happened. Listen, nothing short of miraculous. Look at 1 Peter chapter number 4. Verse number 10. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to others as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Just like physically, we can be the importance, we can see the importance of unity in the body. And just as Christ and the Holy Spirit emphasize the importance of the unity of the church, you and I have to look at what we are doing with what God has entrusted to us and asked, is there evidence that we value unity? That we understand that our gifts are used best in connection with the other gifts of the church. Back in 1 Corinthians, we see the second thing, wise owners Appreciate the diversity. Appreciate the diversity. Verses 14 through 25, the vast majority, it talks about hands and legs and feet and ears and noses. And, and listen, they, listen, they're not all the same. They're all different. As soon as we get the unity piece, we have to get the equal attention to the diversity piece. Our Spiritual gift is needed by the body. Listen, I, I, I don't know for how, how long, and maybe you guys are getting sick and tired of it, but listen, that's why it's important for every person to be here, every opportunity they can. Listen, at the end of last year, we, we looked at 
what it means to forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Listen, forsaking doesn't mean, listen, I was gone Wednesday night. Did, did I forsake you guys? No, I, I was on vacation. Forsaking means intentionally, on purpose. It's the same Greek word, and, 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 I, and I told you this, when Paul said about Demas, Demas has forsaken me. It's the same Greek word, loving this present world. When you on purpose have no intention of doing what God tells you to do. Why? Because you love other things more than you love I realize, I realize people are sick and people are on vacation and so on. And so that's, that's not what it talks about when it talks about forsaking. But listen, when you on purpose make a conscious decision to go against God when God tells you to do something. And one of those things that he tells you to do is be in church. That's what it's talking about. Your spiritual gifts are needed by the body. Just because you have concluded that your gift isn't needed doesn't make the conclusion true. How many times have, especially when I, when I preach too long, your foot goes to sleep, right? Your foot's saying, well, my body doesn't need me. I can take some time off. Then all of a sudden we're done. You guys stand up. You got to try and walk. Just because the foot has decided that it's not needed doesn't mean that's true. It's needed. By the way, what happens when the feeling, when the blood starts coming back to your foot after it's gone to sleep? So there's some things that we need to be careful of if we're going to be in unity as a body of believers. We need to be careful of envy. We need to be careful of envy. James chapter number three, flip over there, James. James chapter number three. Verse number 16. For where envying and strife is there is confusion and every evil work. See, the problem with many of the people in the Corinthian church was is that they were coveting the more showy gifts. Well, you know, I want to I want to be able to speak in tongues. I want to be able to, to you know, cast out demons and and then and, and you know, I want the more showy ones. Paul says, be careful. The vast majority of what is meaningfully accomplished in a church is seldomly noticed or acknowledged in any kind of public way. It's simply just faithful people using what God has entrusted to them. So beware of laziness. You'll never become a faithful owner of serving unless you get to the place where you like to work for God. Listen, I, I, 
It wasn't last, it was the week before, I think you've heard me say it. Listen, uh, fear, intimidation, bad motivators. Just horrible. And yet, for, there's a, a lot of churches, that's what they just try to beat you over the head. Well, you know, fear and intimidation. And, and you know, if, if you're not in church, God's going to strike you with a lightning bolt. And, and so on. Listen, they're just horrible motivators. It's bad. If you don't serve God because you want to, because you love Him, because you like to, it doesn't matter what I get up here and say. It doesn't matter what, what other ways that other people try to encourage you to serve God. You're just not going to. Colossians chapter number three, it says what? Whatever you do, do to, to God, not for men pleasers. Listen, that's one of the one of the church's core values. Striving together, believing that God wants us to challenge and equip members to serve him. And that he wants every member serving. With you, too many times we say, I, w- I want a different job. I want to, listen, at the beginning of the year, I knew that this was going to be our theme. I, listen, if you don't enjoy doing something, you're less likely to do it. That's just being honest. And so, hey, if, is there something that you enjoy doing that you like? And I, I sent out a questionnaire, survey, whatever. Trying to get plug your interests into your availability so you can serve in church. Why? Because a lot of times your spiritual gifts has to do with your interests. Your spiritual gift was given to you by God himself. Verse number 11. But all these worketh one of the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. Verse number 18. But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. God has given you your spiritual gift. I mean, it goes back to... Our first principle, what? <laughs> I, I own nothing. God owns everything. That includes your, your gifts that God has given you. Your interests that God has given you. The gifts God has given others are needed by the body. An eye without a hand is in serious trouble. Or a head without a foot isn't going to have a real problem. We should work at showing appreciation for others. Who serve. We should be open to the distinct possibility that God may bring others into the church who are different because we need them. It's one of the, I, I, I realize I'm not that old, but I'm not that young either. And for been around church culture any length of time, especially in the last 10, 15 years. There's, listen, Every organization has its issues, okay? I'm just going to be honest with you. That's why we're independent. We're not an organization, right? Okay. Anyway, but listen, every organization has its issues. Right? Because it's human beings. Human beings make mistakes. Human beings sin. But listen, 
I have noticed a trend and a pattern. When, whether it be large churches, whether it be Bible colleges, whether it be uh, ministry-related organizations, and they begin to have severe problems, it happens because of what I refer to as spiritual inbreeding. So-and-so grew up in this, in this circle, in this culture, and they went to this school, and they went to this Bible college, and they went into this ministry, and they go to this church, and it repeats itself and repeats itself and repeats itself and repeats itself and repeats itself. Listen, why is it against the law and the unwise for relatives physically to reproduce? Weird things happen, right? We're just going to be honest. Weird things potentially happen. Listen, because the same principle is true spiritually. Listen, God is going to bring people from the outside, people that are different. Why? Because we need to be different. We, we can get ourselves in trouble if we're constantly doing the same thing, the same thing, the same thing, the same thing, and we don't ever get any fresh blood. Listen, a wise owner appreciates the joy of serving together. Look at verse number 26. And whether one member suffer, all members suffer with it. Or one member honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. Listen, when... Brother Mother went into the hospital, it hit us all. Why? Because we're together. Now, obviously, it hit his physical family more than it hit his spiritual family. But Kendra will tell you, every, every, for every time I check on, see what was going on, and, and you know, I, I had you on speakerphone, just so you know. But Kendra didn't say very much because she was over there bawling her eyes out. Why? Because when a member of the church is hurting, that hurts all of us. Well, it's the member of the family. Listen, but that's the way it's supposed to be. A wise owner appreciates the joy. Listen, we'll, we'll never realize the joy of the mountaintop if it wasn't for the valley. If everything in your life went exactly the way that it was supposed to, that you think it was supposed to go, nothing bad, negative ever happens to you, you wouldn't understand what, what, what goodness really is. Listen. We rally around each other when someone is hurting and we rejoice when someone is honored. Listen, probably one of my greatest quotes I've ever heard, and we'll close with this. It's amazing 
what can get done for God when it doesn't matter who gets the credit. And listen, as Christians, as members of the church, we need to get to that point in our lives where it doesn't matter who gets the credit. Well, the, the, the Bible makes this statement, what? Some, some soweth, some watereth, but what? God giveth the increase. When it doesn't matter, listen, if, if I never bring anybody else into church, but everybody else does, and I do everything that I'm supposed to do, that God wants me to do, well, I'm glad. Because it doesn't matter who gets the credit. You've got to fill out activity reports when you're at Bible college. And some even some Christian schools got to fill out activity reports. Listen. And, 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 and I understand, but listen, sometimes that can get, well, who, who, you know, can lead the most people to the Lord and you start giving honor to whom honor isn't due. I was talking to a, a friend of mine a few weeks ago. And I'm, I'm sure it is, isn't always true, but it seems to be the rule more than the exception. All of those people that was, you know, Mr., you know, the, you know the, the Christian version of homecoming king and homecoming queen, you know, but the Christian version of that, because, you know, you know he memorized the most verses in the Bible, and, you know, he led the most people to the Lord, and, you know, he always... Five years after graduating, no one's ever heard of him ever again. Why? Because it, to them it matters who gets the credit. The Bible makes this statement, what, you, you, you're going to get rewarded for your good service. Now you can either get rewarded on earth or you can get rewarded in heaven. Listen, if you get rewarded in heaven, the Bible says you already got your rewards. I mean, on earth, you've already got your rewards. And I really, I told you this, I don't forget, I remember telling you this a while ago. I know it's something that's a deficiency in me. I want to be very careful about giving honor to you because I don't want to take, listen, my honor is wonderful and making sure I honor other people is wonderful and it's needed. But I don't want to do anything where I take away from God giving you honor when you get to heaven. I don't want to. Because this is a whole other mind. But when it doesn't matter who gets the credit. amazing what can get done. And if we're going to be a church that's going to reach our community and reach the world. Listen, and, and, and I, I think the vast majority of us are there. I'm just... No matter who gets the credit. Why? Because all glory belongs to him anyway. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you this morning and we're thankful you allowed us to Gather and worship today, Lord.